And now the podcast about a group of friends who had never seen Arrested Development and the one podcaster who had no choice but to get them all together. This is Frozen Bananas and Ketchup. Anyang and welcome to another episode of Frozen Bananas and Ketchup. I'm your host, John, and joining me as always are my co-hosts, Gio, Charlie, and Peter. Gentlemen, welcome back. Hello. Skippity doo dah day. Glad to be back. This week we are discussing the episode Good Grief, season two, episode four. And let's uh let's see what happens in this episode. George is declared dead in Mexico, and the Bluth family holds awake for their dead family member. Meanwhile, George isn't dead and has returned to the USA, spoiler, only to be found by a newly dumped George Michael. All right, so let's jump right on in and see what everyone thought of this episode. Peter. What are your thoughts on this one? My thoughts are, I don't know how well I'm going to like this season because I feel like it's starting to trend down for me. And I'm wondering when the episodes that you were so excited to watch are going to kick in because I I don't think I like this episode as much as I had liked season one and the first couple ones from the beginning of this season two. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Let's jump over to Charlie. Charlie, what are your thoughts on this one? I liked it. It was pretty funny. You know, not one of my favorites, but definitely got a got a good chuckles out of me. All right. And Gio, who had trouble finding this episode or remembering which one to watch. Gio, when you finally got around to it, what did you think? I liked this episode. I laughed a few times. I cried a few times. I'm just kidding. I didn't cry. But uh, I thought it was a decent episode. All right. Very good. And I... I'm curious what everyone thought more specifically. So let's get into some specifics. And I want to hear what topics everyone brought to the table. So Charles W. Chuck Noel, what do you got for us? I think this whole um, funeral thing was hilarious, or wake rather, and how they were trying to hide it from Buster, only for Job to just like screw the pooch right at the end there. But also how... You know, Lindsay was trying so hard to get Ice to really pay attention to her. I like how maybe really tried to win that favor by choosing slut as the (laughs) dress of choice. The return of the slut tank top. (laughs) Yeah, the the slut top is is a good one, but... I liked the the two the two moments between the ruining of the secret for Buster and how maybe really tried to help her mom essentially get laid in honor of <laughs> Pop Pop. <laughs> Lindsay says, "I'm gonna throw on a skirt, take off my underwear, and make my pop make your Pop Pop proud." <laughs> yeah, like that's what he wants. <laughs> <laughs> Quality family dynamics there. Yeah, but jumping back to Buster, they really didn't do a lot to hide it from him. So I'm honestly surprised it took him as long as it did to figure out what was going on. I like the storyline of why they were hiding it from him because they were afraid he wasn't going to take it very well. And they, we got a little backstory about how he's handled loss in the past. <laughs> as Parakeet got stuck in Rose's wig. That was amusing. So then, yeah, so he blamed the maid for his bird dying so he like tried to take it out on her by ruining her home aka their kitchen and like trying to was it like do something to her her vehicle which was a bus (laughs) (laughs) like just showing like how he really didn't have a true understanding from his (laughs) pampered upbringing Uh, baby buster 
troubled you. I liked when he was uh, preparing for the trick and for the party, which he thought was a birthday party, and the card that he bought for his dad, the card about death. <laughs> that upset yeah. Job, but Job had to hide his, his sadness. Yeah. I know Charlie mentioned, like, the the whole wake and whatever, and that part, bust, and talking about Buster with that, like, them keeping him in the dark, and then the way he found out. A, I thought it was it was pretty funny, like, him trying to, like, mimic Job's dancing for, like, the trick. That was... <laughs> yeah. that was that, I thought that was... I literally laughed out loud. <laughs> that was pretty funny. And Job just getting pissed the whole time. Like, Buster! <laughs> Job's supposed to be in the spotlight. <laughs> I think that was, like, the highlight of the thing, was, like, them dancing together. And then, like, Charlie said, Job kind of spilled the beans, and then Buster, like, freaks out at the end. With with Buster's uh, stripper army uniform. Yeah. He, apparently, he's not really in the army, so he had to, like, get a fake uniform to try to make everyone feel like he was... What time period was that supposed to be? That hat looked like he was Robin Hood or something. <laughs> what do you mean, what time period? Just, like, the actual... The uniform? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. You know, like... What war? <laughs> right. <laughs> It was a stripper war. It was a stripper war. You're telling me you could wear stripper clothes when you're not stripping? You tell me. You and but just in general, I think Job was clearly not a very good stripper because his army outfit was a little dated. I think that's what uh, Charlie was alluding to. It's not like you would think like just like camo and like what we would think is modern day. It seemed it was a very dated army costume, to say the least. <laughs> Love it. Let's see, Geo. What's a topic you wanted to bring to the table? When uh, Oscar in the beginning of the show episode was uh, like half naked and, and Lucille goes, Oscar, close it. You look like a window of a butcher shop. I thought that was hilarious. And then I was thinking about Ice's jobs and I'm like, bounty hunting and party planning? Those are two different sides of the job spectrum there. He knew he was a party planner before that. I forgot that he was a party planner, too. He gently reminded them, uh, just after breaking the news to them, of George Sr.'s alleged death. Yeah. Well, like, it was it was subtly introduced at first, because when uh, you saw, like, the, the yellow pages clipping. or whatever yeah. that Job was looking at, they saw, like, underneath the ad as a bounty hunter, it said, also, a party planner or whatever. But you thought that it was, like, mainly... Bounty Hunter, then, oh, maybe Party Planner, but in reality, his priority was the other way around, really. Yeah. That was unexpected. Also, when when Lucille found out that George Sr. was dead in the episode, she screamed the same way she screams after seeing John Parmesan. She's like, ah! I didn't think it was the same way. It's Gene Parmesan. But she, it wasn't the same. She wasn't, like, screaming with excitement. Like, when she's seen Gene Parmesan, she, she's, I think it affected her a little bit. I have a quote, too, but I'll say it later. <laughs> and a big tease. Big league tease. <laughs> All right. Look, look forward to hearing that. Peter, what's some topic that you wanted to discuss? I thought it was kind of funny that after a few references of Charlie Brown's that from the last couple episodes we got another reference to charlie brown a little differently though it's like the sad charlie brown music and him like walking you see george michael <laughs> after he gets dumped being a sad charlie brown music walk and then actually walking by a snoopy that was in the background that was pretty I didn't funny even notice and, that yeah the dog sleeping on top of the dog house that yeah. was a charlie <laughs> that tra that's that music was a charlie brown music i didn't know that and then 
And then we saw it again with George Sr. When he saw the article, the news article with Lucille and Oscar kissing, he had a sad Charlie Brown moment before coming back to the United States. And then I think Tobias had a Charlie Brown moment about after hard-boiled eggs, coping with the emotions. And then Job at the end as well. Yeah. With the uh, poof goof. The poof goof when he was became poof goof of the year. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. Speaking of poof, that that whole joke <laughs> in the beginning was hilarious. I, I thought I thought that was funny too. I was just gonna bring that up. So did you see the new poof? And and then he he didn't know poof was another term for gay guy or gay person. And they showed like clips of him thinking that job was uh he was like he's gonna think that i was hitting on him and uh they was like literally sitting on top of his leg on a chair trying to hear the creak of a chair yeah, and he funny. said some some odd things just just things that are odd to say in general to another person like you've got a I'd nice kill mouth. for that ass yeah i'd kill, I'd for, kill that for, that for that ass you've got a nice mouth <laughs> <laughs> And odd things for the president of a company to be saying to a subordinate. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I thought it was humorous, but I, I feel like this show is relying too hard on the gay equals funny. They, they're just trying to hit that joke a lot in various different ways. And I am kind of getting over it a little bit. Like, I mean, some of it is kind of funny. And like the underlying joke with Tobias. I think it's more the ob- obliviousness that they're hitting on. But right, but I, I just I, there's a number yeah. of occasions where they yeah. just really go with that gay equals funny or closeted gay equals funny. It's wearing a little on me. Like I said, I don't really mind it as as an underlying story for like Tobias, but like they just keep on throwing it in with random characters and stuff, and I just feel like that. I mean, they're trying to they're treading a little thin from my perspective, but that's fair. That is fair, Charlie. Did you have any other topics? I like that Anne is still in in appearance, and I like how Michael, how she was complaining to George Michael that he always interrupts, and when he came by, interrupted in person, and then was just like, oh, you know, make sure your phone's on, and within seconds of leaving, called, and he was like, I didn't want to, like he tells George Michael that his grandfather died, and he goes, I didn't want to say that when you were talking to Egg. <laughs> like, still not getting her name. And then every opportunity that George Michael brings her up, uh, he just has this look of just like, really? Like, still? We're going huh? on about this? Yeah. <laughs> he, he first, like, when he walks up on them, he calls, he says, hey, you. And then, like you said, Charlie, he calls her Egg on the phone. And then George Michael tries to correct him. And then afterwards, he, he made a reference of, like, it's as Anne as the nose on Plane's face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just every opportunity. Just, like, are you sure? Are you sure this is what uh, this is what you're, you're picking up, what you're putting down? Are you really? And did, did you notice in the background that Ice skipped over Anne in the smoothie line as well? No! I did not notice that. <laughs> oh, and another thing that was funny with uh, Anne is when George Michael was, like, pointing her out to his grandfather. And he's, and he's like, oh, my God, that's Anne. And he's like, who? The girl who ripped my heart out and the girl whose face will always be etched in my mind. <laughs> and the grandfather's like, her? And George Michael's like, <laughs> She's she's really funny. And he's like, 
Well, let's hope so. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, speaking of the scene at the beginning when they, uh, when Michael interrupted them and then she broke up with George Michael, that little quick exasperated yell that George Michael had. I love that. They just, ah! <laughs> Oh, you can feel also, his pain. The one, the one joke that I really appreciated, uh, was Lindsay when Michael catches George Michael being weird with the attic door <laughs> and he goes up to Lindsay and he's just like, I think George Michael's hiding Anne in the attic. <laughs> And she goes, from who? The Nazis? Yeah. Little Anne Frank joke. (laughs) That one got like a huge chuckle out of me. Like that one, that one hit like a really funny bone. So, yeah. Yeah. What I don't get is if he thought that he was hiding from her, instead of like going on these assumptions and like, inviting her to try to make him feel like he doesn't need her why wouldn't he just go check to see if she was actually in the attic instead of just assuming that oh that must be what's happening you think if he was questioning it he would actually like confirm it and then maybe adjust things but instead of like doing any verification he's just like oh he was awkward around the attic one time he must be hiding his girlfriend in there oh it's just a weird assumption to to jump to that is fair, yeah. And and Michael isn't known for communicating well with his son, and this is another good example of that. I wanted to bring up the fact that uh, Buster in the army, it kind of seems like he's in like daycare or something because like he, they ask him, "What are you doing home?" and he's like, "I don't know. The army had a half a day. Armies don't have half a days." So who's who wants to break the news to Geo? I thought they clarified afterwards that he wasn't really in the army, but they showed clips of. Oh, is this the next episode? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Oops. We're doing so good. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah, so that, that's why he needed to get the stripper outfit from Job. Uh, jumping back to Anne real quick. Uh, I did like when Michael was talking to George Michael, and this is a classic quote from the series, when George Michael confesses and he says, I have pop pop in the attic, and Michael misunderstands him and says, the mere fact that you call making love pop pop tells me that you're not ready. The fact that that he thinks George Michael would (laughs) reference sex as the same name that he references his grandfather, I'm just like... Yeah, there would be more things to be concerned about than him not, quote-unquote, being ready to have sex if if that is what he was going to be correlating or naming it in general. To be fair, Michael was was grieving at at the funeral, so I'll cut Michael some slack. But no, that is uh, just a very odd odd way to put it. And uh, following up, have any of you ever called Making Love Pop Pop in the past? Or... Whatever you correlate to the name of your male grandparent, did you ever call sex Lampy or whatever? <laughs> oh boy. Let's see who's next. I think it's Geo, perhaps. Geo, what other topics do you have? Or what's that quote you've been teasing us with? Uh well I have a few quotes. One of them is Who let the cap off I fucking glisten? That's one of my quotes. Glisten ended up being quite a plot point in this episode. Hey, where the fuck are my hard-boiled eggs? <laughs> <laughs> Tobias was hilarious. Tobias was so funny. I was like, what the hell? He just like, and it's the hard-boiled eggs that he was bringing up. 
that Michael was bringing up to his dad, or wasn't Michael that was bringing it up, or George Michael? I think it was George Michael at that point. George, George Michael. Michael, yeah, George Michael. I liked how Tobias was like trying to equate Michael to being like John Wayne, Mr. Tough Guy, for not showing his emotion. He's like, here comes John Wayne. He's not going to cry about his paw. We're going to build an airport and put his name on it. <laughs> so we can, so you can fly away from your feelings. I'm like, oh, I actually flew into the John Wayne airport one time going to California. So that was kind of amusing to me. There you go. There you go. Peter, what is another topic that you had for us? I thought it was pretty funny how hard it hit Lindsay about when she thought George Sr. was dead and she was getting all worked up about it. And then uh, she had mentioned, like, all those years when I pretended to cry, I used dad's death to get me going. I tried um, tried it with moms, but I would just end up smiling and ruining it. And it's just like, oh, dear. I thought that was a funny <laughs> section. Again, showing the difficult relationship between Lucille and Lindsay. Uh, no, definitely a strange relationship there. I thought it was funny when uh, George Michael, when he was the only one that knew he was that George Senior was alive. He he was like, "I'll be bringing you some salmon rolls right away in heaven." And he said, and then it goes back to George Senior. He's like, "How many times I got to tell this kid it's chicken wings?" <laughs> Speaking of uh, him finding George Senior. You know how like he found him in the hole and then he like checked his dental records and like there's that that image of him like looking in his mouth. Does anybody know what that's a reference to? No. So like I, I'm kind of a news junkie or I was more like back then. So I saw it right away. But um, when Saddam Hussein was like in hiding and they found him like there were like pictures of like them checking his face like that to check his teeth to make sure it was him. So that's gotcha. like a reference to Saddam being found. I that's see. hilarious. Yet another Saddam reference in this show. And yes, he was also found in a hole in the desert. And speaking of things that we noticed, did uh, on the uh, poof, did anybody recognize who was on the cover? Oh, it was Ben yeah, Stiller. Yeah, Tony, Tony Wonder, who was Ben Stiller, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was interesting. So yeah, that was pretty cool. Nice little cameo there. He made Job jealous because he had a magic chip where he apparently baked himself into a giant loaf of bread and like jumped out of a giant sandwich that to feed the troops. And Job had a similar idea, but he was going to boil himself alive <laughs> into a chowder <laughs> and like, be laid out in a giant cauldron to entertain <laughs> and feed the firemen. <laughs> that's pretty close pretty close close did anybody have anything else specifically that they wanted to discuss yeah how maybe he was trying to get uh emancipated yeah <laughs> and what what's the the lawyer's name barry barry yes uh how he was like i could have you out of this house and on the street in a month <laughs> like nowhere safe on the street <laughs> i thought it was also funny when barry was all freaked out because he thought he had lost the will so when they announced uh that george senior was dead at ice's little event party that he was hosting and but lucille was like oh where's his will is it in your car and he's like no he thought he lost it so he's like it's not here it's in the office <laughs> next to a hot plate with frayed wires <laughs> just giving him trying an excuse to potentially he's such an incompetent <laughs> lawyer in general and then to like charlie's point of saying like oh i'll get you on the streets in a couple of days i'm like you're just horrible but i i did like that uh that comedy of threes where like lucille's like i don't know what i'm saying and then barry said i don't know what i'm saying and then uh job said that uh, like i'll do this because dad loved magic so much and michael's like 
I don't think Job knows what he's saying. Yeah. <laughs> but then Michael, he was just like, I don't know what I'm saying when he was talking about uh talking about Anne to uh to George Michael. Yeah. <laughs> so <it came> back. <laughs> there is one thing that kind of comes up again later, but not a lot. But at one part when Lindsay is flirting with Ice and maybe brings it up to Tobias and asks if it bothers him, and he says Oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> I am surprised no, but I am surprised that she's going after somebody so similar to my own type. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, but I, oh, I suppose God. we all do expose our inner desire, don't we? And she's like, I think you just did. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> no, no, I didn't. didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I thought also another part uh, that was funny was like when uh, Michael was uh, giving his dad food in the attic and he was, and Pop-Up was asking for a treat. And he's like, no, Pop-Up does not get a treat. I just bought you a fucking pizza. <laughs> I thought that was funny. And also another one about the attic. Uh, when Michael found his dad in the attic, but he didn't know any, that George Michael knew. And he was like, from now on, we'll tell the truth to each other. That's what George Michael was saying to Michael. And, he, my, George, and Michael was like, yeah, we're going to try. Because <laughs> he didn't want to bring up that he knew about his dad in the attic. Yeah. I feel like they've had this conversation before. Well, he, he knew that George Michael was lying about it at that point. Yeah. And then at that point, he had taken over the lie from George Michael. He took the burden. So he pretended to have found him and then he made it look like he escaped. And then he took yeah. over the lie. Very true. Did anybody have any other topics they wanted to discuss? I think I had like one other quote. Like, I thought it was funny when Lindsay was like, I uh, I don't suppose you'd entertain, uh, you'd be interested in catering an affair with me trying to do a fancy like flirting line with ice the caterer and he's like well when you get a full uh full guest list let me know like totally oblivious to what she was trying to do she's like why can't i do this anymore <laughs> poor Lindsay. and i guess also going back to the other note that i had i also thought it was funny that again when buster was striking revenge on the maid about his dead bird he also thought he was uh damaging her favorite toy which was a dust buster <laughs> i thought that was a pretty funny reference agreed, agreed. <laughs> all right i think now is the time of the episode where we get to our frozen banana ratings this is where we rate the episode one to ten so without further ado let's jump right on in giovanni what say you i rated i rated a 7.8 7.8 from geo all right Peter, how about you? I rated this one a seven. All right, a seven. And Charles W. Chuck Noel? I had the same rating as Geo, uh, also 7.8. All right, very good. And I I don't know why you guys didn't like this episode so much. I really enjoy it. Well, not, not that you didn't enjoy it, but uh, no, I thought this was a nice, dense episode with a, a lot going on in it, so I'm giving it 8.5. I'm a big fan of this episode. Love it. So... 8.5 from me, and that does it for this week. And I just remembered another Charlie Brown reference um, that we talked about besides just uh, the sad songs is the name of the episode itself. Good Grief is it's Charlie Brown's catchphrase, and it, it was a good tie-in with the family and the grief that they were, were going through with um, the death of their dad or the supposed death of their dad. I thought that was a good time with the title. So when it comes to episode title rankings, where does this rank for you? I think it's pretty good. It's going back. Uh, I think season one had a lot of good tie-ins to the title. I was a little worried at the beginning of season two when it just seemed like they were trying to copy friends at the time, but now it, it's back on track. So I thought it was pretty good and clever 
title name. Excellent. And then next week, we will be talking about the episode Sad Sack. And I hope you come back and join us. So Gio, Charlie, Peter, thank you as always. And I look forward to next week. Bye, everybody. Anyang. Hasta luego. Hasta luego. Gentlemen, welcome back. Hello. Skippity doo back. What's that, Peter? I said glad to be back. Oh, but... it sounded like you said feedback because there was there was literally like a weird noise when you said that. I said skippity doo da day. Skippity doo da day. Ah, <laughs> uh, wonderful.